scriptures here. We're going to take a look at the glory of Jesus, so let's ask God to help us. Father, you sent Jesus, your Son, your glory in human flesh, that we would see the face of God. We would come to know your glory and your nature as you abided with us. Now that Christ is exalted and seated in heavenly places, you've poured out your Spirit into our lives so that He may declare the Messiah, Jesus, and we may see Him as He is. Help us to understand that now. Help us to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Puritan works uh, and uh, Jonathan Edwards and John Owens and some of these folks who the Puritans really had an understanding of the awe of God, the sovereignty of God, and in that, the glory of Christ. Uh, When you get all these things in order, you really then know how to begin to live a holy life and combat sin. The essential is to see Christ high and lifted up. So on your outline, we come to the garden, uh, right before the garden, when Jesus is in the upper room and He's praying for his disciples and in John 17 he says this and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed all right glorify thou me with the glory that I had with you before anything existed right Before the world existed. Now, that's an interesting statement because Jesus said, glorify me with the glory I had. So this is a very important scripture for the deity of Christ, for you to understand that Christ came down. He wasn't just born of a woman. He is God come in the flesh. He was born of a woman. That's his human uh, nature, but his divine nature always existed. He is the word of God become flesh and so he had glory with the father now in isaiah god said i will not share my glory with another all right so if god won't share his glory with another yet christ had glory with the father what does that tell you they are one and in that john 17 prayer you'll hear that jesus say lord make them one as you and i are one all right, and so he says, glorify thou me, sorry, I'm stuck on the King James, that's how I remembered it, glorify thou me with the glory that I had before the world began. And so Christ existed before he came to the earth, he had glory, and what he did is he, if, if I could just put it to you this way, he kind of had to muffle that glory. He had to bring it back, dial it down, because we couldn't have related or understood him at all. At one point in his ministry, he let it shine on at the Mount of Transfiguration. How many of you remember that? He just all of a sudden levitated and was elevated, and here comes Moses and Elijah, and the glory shines. He said, oh man, i got to stretch out my glory. Oh. And it just, it was there. But he knew that he was going into the full manifestation of his glory once again, going to the Father. Now, he knows this. Listen to what he prays in verse 24 of John 17. Father, I desire. Now, this is Jesus' is praying. His whole time on earth, he did the Father's will. His desire, or as he told his disciples, his meat was to do the Father's will. 
And it says, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Why? To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Within the Godhead is perfect love. That's why John could say God is love because love needs an object. Within the one God, there is a triune person, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that is a perfection of love. He said, you loved me before the world began, and I want them to see my glory. Now, you were called out of this world by the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus was applied to your life so that your sin could be removed, so that God could put his Holy Spirit in you, so that you could do what? See the glory of Christ. The world cannot see it. They don't know it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They can't see Jesus. They see you. They need to see Jesus in you. They need to show, see some evidence of what they cannot see. You are Christ. You are Jesus with skin on. Right? Because His Spirit dwells in you. And so you were saved and others are being saved so that they may see the glory of Christ. And we're going to look at the glory of Christ so that we understand it. Let's keep going. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. See, this is something that's happening now. We are seeing, we know because of the Spirit in us, we see the glory of the Lord. When you read Scripture, you can see the glory of Jesus where people who don't have the Holy Spirit can't see Him. You ever tell someone about Jesus? They don't get it. Do you remember a time in your life you'd read this and it made no sense to you? And you got saved and now you see the glory of Christ. That's the indwelling spirit enabling you. And he says, we with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being, active present tense, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now in that portion of Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 3, You can read it. It would do you well to read it tonight. Paul is talking about how Moses, his face shined when he came down from the mountain, when he received the Ten Commandments. Right? He was in the cloud 40 days. He comes down and and they see him and his face is going... He was in the presence of God. His face was shining. Now, I don't know how many of you ever familiar with renaissance sculpture uh how many of you ever seen some of the sculptures of moses and he has two horns anybody ever see that and you wonder what in the world <laughs> why'd they put horns on moses because that's a a, a mistranslation and, and when it says that the light shone on him it said shafts of light which could also be interpreted horns of light and so michelangelo you know he put horns on him <laughs> But it was this reference of the shafts of light that was coming to him. Now Paul said that Moses had to put a veil over his face. Okay? Because that shining, glowing face that beheld the glory of God was scaring people. But Paul goes a step further and said the reason he put a veil in front of his face is because it was fading. So why would you put it over your face if it's fading? To hide the fact that it's fading away. 
I mean, it was, it was great when you were all glowing and everything. People would listen to you. You lose your glow, and then what happens? <laughs> you lose your authority. i got to go back in the cloud. But he says that glory will not fade away from us. For we, with unveiled faces, behold the Lord's glory. That glory should be manifest in our lives so everyone can see the majesty of Christ. We have unveiled faces. And that's the difference between us and the Old Testament saints. And so sometimes, he says, even the Jews now, today, and he uses it as an analogy, read Scriptures and they still have a veil over their face. They can't see the glory of Christ. Can they? Until they're awakened by the Holy Spirit. There's many Jews who are being saved and getting to see the majesty of Christ. But Paul says they, many of them don't because they still have veils over their eyes according to the Scripture. But you don't. God removed the veil so you could see what? The glory of Jesus. That's what this is all about, everybody. The glory of Christ. Unfortunately, what we've made it all about is us. Do you know what we made church about? Christians. Church is not about Christians. It's about worshiping the living God. It's about Christ. That's why we gather. We're spending so much time with us. It's Him. And so we fall on our face. We see with unveiled faces the glory of Christ. Now what's interesting about this verse is that he says we are being transformed. All right, that's an active thing that's happening now in your life. You're being transformed. Wasn't that what Jesus prayed for, that they would see the glory of the one whom you sent? So that's happening. Now it's happening because of the Holy Spirit within us who is giving us that image of of the holy of Christ. And he says, we see the image as looking in a mirror, we can see Christ, the glory of Christ, and it says this, we're being transformed, King James says from glory to glory. And that's like, well, what does that mean? The NIV says with ever increasing glory. Okay? I think of steps. Right? An ever increasing knowledge and awareness and glory. I'm going from one glory to the next glory to the next glory or the next level of revelation and understanding of Jesus. It's a metamorphosis. It's an increasing glory. The best, most accurate uh, interpretation is this, from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. What glory are you at? You ever go in an elevator? Uh, could you hit two for me? Some of us are used to staying at our glory level. We don't want to push past that glory level. So we get into the elevator. Look, church is a big elevator. We get in, we go, I'm comfortable at two. And we ride up to two. We ride up to our glory level where we've been. Because anything else makes us nervous. And it should. Because it exposes us to a greater revelation of who He is. And when we begin to see who He is, it does damage to who we are. Rightly so. Because we got a lot of damage. We need surgery. We need a lot of healing. I want to come in and I want to hit floor 75, baby. Take me up. Right? 
I want to go there. But again, there's going to be some collateral issues with my flesh, with who I am, and all this kind of stuff. But he says we're being transformed. Now, this is a lifelong process with you and I. We get into situations where we're going to see the glory of Christ in greater ways. Not just at church, but all in our activities and in our life. There's nothing greater for us to do than to meditate on Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, his character, his nature, his virtue, because that's how you define the glory. What is the glory of Jesus? It is basically the virtue of his nature, who he is. He is God revealed. Moses was so close to God. Remember his face shining. He heard the voice of God. He was in a cloud with God. Wasn't good enough. He wanted another level of glory. He said, show me who you are. I want to see you. God said, you can't handle that. He said, I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock. And you can see my backside. Because you can't handle anything else. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what, what did he say? woe is me i am being undone unraveled his muscles felt like they were coming apart at the joints he was literally in the presence of god he had a vision of him he said i'm being undone and the first thing the prophet of the word of god said i'm a man of unclean lips really you're a prophet dude you got a prophet card you're like the prophet of israel What he recognized is the position God had given him and that spiritual authority he had, he recognized was nothing on his own. You want me to speak out of these unclean lips? In the presence of God, something happens to you and I. We get transformed. We begin to see how how clay our feet are. We begin to recognize all that we've been working in this (laughs) self-esteem. It's not worth it. But something else begins to happen. We begin to see him. We see him high and lifted up. And we are being transformed from glory to glory. And we're all in this process. And it's not about, you know, I'm in kindergarten and I'm in fifth grade. That glory to glory is a personal revelation and action in your life for each one of us. It can't be compared to one another. That's not what it's about. But it's seeing him and knowing him. Seeing him high and lifted up. So we are being transformed from glory to glory with an ever-increasing activity of glory. So look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where are you going to find the light of the knowledge or the revelation of knowing God. Where are you going to find it? In the face of who? Jesus. You see, all of this, the glory of God, we must look to Jesus. We must be enthralled with Jesus. We must fall in love again with Jesus He's our first love. He's our last love. He said that to the church at Ephesus. He said, you've done this right. You've done that right. I've looked at your works. You're doing a great job. You guys are out of sight, man. You're holding fast to the doctrines of the church. You're doing a really good job. There's just one, just one problem I've got. You left your first love. Who is our first love? 
Jesus. The reason you got saved is because of Jesus. The reason you called out to a Savior is because you looked to Him, your Savior and Shepherd and Bishop of your soul. You cry out to Him at night because you know He ever lives to make intercession for you. Day and night, He prays over you. He pours over you. He weeps over you. He guides you as your Shepherd. He directs you in the paths of righteousness. He's our first love. He's our middle love. He's our whole love. We've got to fall in love with Jesus again. It's the whole thing. This isn't a religion. You hear this all the time. It's a relationship. With who? With Him. That's the thing that will transform us. If you want Christian growth, you get people to draw closer to Jesus. We've got Bible studies. That's great. We've got schools. That's great. We've got meditation. Great. We've got worship music. That's great. But it's got to be in the face of Jesus. That's where we are changed and if the church in america is immature and carnal it's because we've not sought the face of jesus do you remember what they said about the disciples they've turned the world upside down these are those men who have what been with jesus come on these are fishermen right we're talking about the roman world Ever watch uh, uh, PBS, man? Those Romans knew how to build things. Architecture and domes and waterways and roads. These are sophisticated, intelligent philosophers, intelligent men. But the men who turned their world upside down were fishermen because they were with Jesus, saw him face to face. Isn't that ultimately the reward of everything? We shall see him face to face. We will behold His glory. Now that glory is ours to behold now. So whatever is is your main pursuit, could I ask you to put it second to the pursuit of Him? Uh, It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your state in life is. It doesn't matter your economics or this or that. The first thing we must do as we've had our eyes open is we must pursue His glory. We must see Him again. Now let me take you to a portion of Scripture there where Paul just sat down. And I would love for you to do this. Try this sometime this week. Just sit down somewhere on a break or at night or something. Get a pad of paper and a pencil and just start seeing the glory of Jesus. Just start writing down. Paul was doing this. Paul was writing to the church at Colossae and and he's talking about Jesus, man. He's just saying, He is amazing. So let's take a look at this so that you see the glory of Jesus of your Savior, your King, and your God, ultimately. It says this, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. 
Now, there's a lot there. So let's just take a few minutes to just be awestruck by the majesty of Jesus. Can I tell you, many of you have an image of Jesus. It's too small. It's much too small. So begin to pray, God, show me a greater revelation. Now, some of you have developed an understanding of Jesus based on your needs, okay? And, and, and that's cool. You know, uh, you had a really crummy father, and Jesus fills that place where it's that father's love, and, and you need that love. And that's, that's one facet of him, but it's not the only facet of him, okay? Some of you see him as, as a miracle worker and powerful and doing great and wonderful things, but that's not all he is. He's a tender shepherd. He is the judge by when he'll come to judge the living and the dead. I mean, you know, there's this full range of who Christ is. Some of you are listening to Jesus through three-inch speakers, and he wants you to have a Bose system. (laughs) High fidelity. HD. Have you ever been to the Bose store? Oh, wow. I want our church to be a Bose church. That when you come in, you get full exposure to the glory of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Crank it up! Right? All right, now let's take a look at this. It says here, verse 15, first of all, He is the image of the invisible God. All right, so all that God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that is within Him, remember, Jesus is the logos, or the mind, the intelligence, the word uh, we get the word logic from logos. He is the mind and everything that is in the Father. It's, it's Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. When Philip said, show us the Father, take us to the Father, Jesus said, hey, Phil, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What did he mean by that? Jesus fully represented every aspect of God the Father to perfection, perfectly. There's nothing hidden. If Jesus did not reveal the full nature of the Father, He would not have been a complete revelation of Father. Amen? There's the bows going off right now. (laughs) Do you understand this? Jesus is the full revelation, the complete revelation of the Father. He he did not misrepresent God. He didn't minimize God. He completely revealed the glory of the Father. He's the image of the invisible God. A lot of people say, well, what are we going to see when we get to heaven? We're going to see Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Okay? Now, it goes on in Hebrews 1 and 3. It says, He's the Son of the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. Hebrews 1.3 Jesus is the exact... Now, you get that word? The exact representation of His being. Now, God's not going to share His glory with someone else. All right? When you go out tomorrow and you see the sun, that is the exact representation of the sun. It has come by the light. Right? Is it the sun? It's the sunlight. It's the glory radiating from the sun, and it represents the sun, and that's what you see. And that's Christ. He is the Word of God come manifest in the flesh for us to fully comprehend who God is. That 
is amazing. So you want to know more about God? You ask Jesus. You go to the Lord. Now he goes on, he says, he's the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn of all creation. Aha! If he's God, why do they say he's born? God can't be created. Well, we saw earlier that he had the glory with the Father before he came. We know he existed before he came to earth. What does it mean, firstborn? Firstborn is not a biological term that Paul's using here. It's a Jewish notation of authority. To be the firstborn means you are the owner of everything of the Father's estate. So for him to be the firstborn of all creation, it means he owns all creation because it's a title of authority the firstborn always owned the father's land and had it all right so he's the firstborn over all creation it all belongs to him he's going to judge in john 5 jesus said all judgment's been given unto the son right it's all about jesus everybody can we remember this it's all about jesus the birdies tweet because of jesus The animals make all their noises and trees grow to the glory of Jesus. The sun shines, the wind blows for one reason, to the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you don't get this, oh, we have scientists who can explain how the wind blows and why the sun shines and how birds are made and constructed anatomically. You can tell us the how, what, where, but the why... Is the, is the part that's most important. Jesus made everything, and they all bring glory to Him. Paul tells us over and over, all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation is waiting for Christ to return. Can I remind you again? It's about Him. Can I also remind you something? Your life is supposed to all be about Him. It's about Him. It's not about you. It's about you glorifying Him. He's the firstborn of all creation. That is, He is honored as the first and only Son over all creation. It goes on, verse 16. By Him, all things were created. So Jesus created all things. Remember what God said in the beginning? God said, let there be light. Well, what is the speaking? The Word. He's the Word. In other words, another way to understand this is Father willed it and the Word, Jesus, brought it all into being. The Word brought it forth. And it says, by Him all things were created. In heaven and in earth. Now when he says in heaven and earth, he's talking about all the physical creation. And even in the heavens, there's physical planets, physical stars, and and space dust and all that cool weird stuff. But also it means in the spirit realm. He says, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. Every dimension that there is, demons, angels, Jesus created them all. They were all at one time created to the glory of God, but they rebelled. Jesus didn't create their rebellion, they chose to rebel. Because in the glory of God, His desire is to love, and when you give the freedom to love, You give the freedom for hate. You give the freedom of the will to turn against God. And he risked that to the glory of God. Now, 
He said all things were created by him. Verse 16, second half, all things were created through him. Through him. Think about this. Everything that ever exists came through Jesus. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Everything that ever existed came through Jesus. Even Lucifer came through Christ. Who created Lucifer? Jesus. Jesus created him. All things were created by him and through him. That's Jesus. There's nothing that was made that was not made through Christ. Christ made them all. Christ made Lucifer. He fashioned him. He made him. Most beautiful angel there was, full of wisdom and beauty and glory. It was perfect. But what happened? By his free will, he rebelled. Now there are, there are religious groups that believe Satan and Jesus are brothers. No, 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 no. Jesus is God. Okay? So everything he created came through him. Can you trust God enough that even in this crazy world with all the evil and all the craziness, that God still is in control? Can you trust Him for that? Can you trust Him to weave everything that's in human history together for the good? Can you believe that and trust it? It says all things were created through Him. Now, come on, let's keep going. It says this, all things were created for Him. Why do you think Satan wanted to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy everything that's created? Because he hates Jesus. He hates the Word of God. He wants, he's a liar. He does not want the truth spoken. And everything that was made was to the glory of Jesus. Now, Father willed it. Jesus made it and created it all. And Father said, it's all for you. To the glory of my Word. My Word spoke it. My Word declares it. My Word enjoys it. All to the glory of God. Now, we go on. It says this. He is before all things. Again, if everything came through Him, He needed to be revealed before everything else. The minute God spoke is the minute we could identify God. The Jews have a word or a name for God. It's Einsof. And that means the incomprehensible one. God is incomprehensible to the human mind because we're a created mind. We're a limited mind. We cannot comprehend God. He is completely incomprehensible. But the minute that something is created, now we can comprehend Him. The minute He spoke, now we can comprehend because words spoke and we understand word. Something exists and we know Him as a creator. This is deep. I want smoke to come out of your ears. I want you to be so amazed at Jesus that He's before all things. He is everything. And everything is because of Him and for Him. Are we getting this? See what I mean? And we treat Him as a pal. We treat Him as, you know, something way too small. Now let's go on. It says in verse 17, In Him all things consist or hold together. I find that fascinating. Every molecule in this building that is, is moving and speeding and is uh, forming wood and forming metal and forming cloth and forming seats, all of it is being held together. Can I tell you why it's being held together? Because Jesus said it. Because he said, 
you stay right where you're at. Because he made principles in creation and in physics and in order and he made things that work and and revolve and unhold together. Man's trying to figure it out. We think if we can figure it out, we'll understand everything. We won't. But we, we, you know, understanding molecules and atoms and all this. uh, But Jesus is the one who says all things are held together by the power of his word. The book of Hebrews says. It's all held together. Now, Now, all Jesus has to do is speak a word, and everything in the physical realm could be done. Could be done. Do you remember when he was on earth, what he would do? He would speak to the wind, and what would happen? It would stop. Wind is not an easy thing to stop. He would speak to the sea that was raging, and he'd say, be still, and immediately it would, boom, be still. You try it. Take a bath and splash in a bath and say, stop. It won't. See, he, he uh, again, all things hold together by the power of his word. How about that for your life? You're at the end of your rope. Things are falling apart. You can't handle anything. Call the one who holds all things together that would speak over your life and hold you together for this. There's no reason you have to quit. You have to give up. The God who loves you, Jesus holds all things together in your life. They fall apart only because we can't handle it. He can. So give it to Him. Let's go on. It says He is the head of the body, the church. Church must be something pretty important. The church must be something very important for Jesus is married to her. The analogy is he's the head, we're the body. Now, I don't think you can get much closer of an analogy than that. The church is something very, very important on planet Earth. And we don't regard ourselves as that. You've got to look back to the head again. I believe God is waking his church up in this day to who we are on this planet. People, Everybody's afraid of aliens and martians and creatures landing on the planet and changing everything the invasion came when jesus came and birthed his church that is the amazing thing on planet earth amen there's something about the church he is the head of the church let's go on he says this he's the beginning that's simple enough we've already said all that in other words anything that is he was before it. And anything that is, he made it happen. Well, if he made everything happen, he can finish it up. Right? It's the same thing for your life. Apply all of this by Christ in your life. He holds all things together. He is the one who is the beginning of your life and he'll be the ending of your life. He is your all in all. He's the firstborn over all that you have. He possesses all things for you. Consider his majesty. We go on and he says this. He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean, the firstborn from the dead? Well, no man ever died and came alive with a resurrected body. What it means is he is the beginning of the next age, the new heavens and the new earth and the new identity of mankind. He's the beginning of that too. He was the beginning of this 
beginning in Genesis, he's also now the beginning from the resurrection of the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, and he is the first to bring that new order into being. And that's eternality, eternity. You and I will worship at that throne and see Christ who brought all this into being through the power of the resurrection. That's awesome! (laughs) Crazy! We're going to live forever because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn from the dead. He destroyed death. He destroyed everything the devil tried to accomplish. He destroyed it completely. He finished it. Do we really think the devil is that powerful? We don't have a big enough vision of Christ. He's too small. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of guns. We're afraid of dying. Where's the church? I'm not afraid of anything because my Lord is Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen? We've got to have a vision of Jesus. He goes on and says, in everything, He is preeminent. I'll go back to what I said earlier. Maybe I'm getting redundant. I repeat too much. But it's all about Him. He's preeminent. Is He preeminent in everything you do? i got to ask myself that. Is He preeminent in every choice I make, every decision I make, everything I want to achieve? Is He getting preeminence in all of my decisions? He's preeminent about everything. He's before all things. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This makes God so happy. When you exalt Jesus, oh man, that brings pleasure to God. We go on. He reconciles all things to Himself whether on earth or in heaven, what that means is that there is a day when everything will come into account to Jesus Christ. He will reconcile all accounts. Everything that has been off, anything that's been wanting, anything that has been unfair, He will reconcile all accounts unto Himself. He will reconcile judgment over everything. And I'm going to be speaking on this on Sundays. And when you see the preeminence and the glory of Christ, you're going to recognize that He's bringing everything unto reconciliation with who He is. In other words, coming to terms with Him. Paul puts it this way. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess He's Lord. That's reconciling everything. Devil's going to have to do it. Every demon's going to have to do it. Every person that's ever lived is going to have to reconcile to the fact that it's all been about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and he is the salvation of all mankind and the truth never negotiates with a lie all things will come under the truth and will have to be exposed for what it is last of all he makes peace by his blood now that is the most profound and abstract, crazy thing about all of this. That will bring silence in heaven for all creation to contemplate that the one who created all things and the reason all things were created were because of him and for him. He's held all of this together by the power of his word. He watches over it all. 
He has authority over it all. He has all power in heaven and earth. God dwells in Him. And with all of that, He chose to give His life and bleed for us. Come on. Come on. He could have spoken and had all of this go away. He he could have done how many different things. But the thing he did was he gave his life, his blood. Oh, he suffered. He knows the pain of death. He knows its agony. He's tasted it. And he bled. Now, that's what amazes me with Paul as Paul paints this amazing picture of the lion of the tribe of Judah, the glory of God, the one who sits on the throne. But he ends it with the lamb who was slain. He ends it with the love of God for us so much that he bled and died for us. Now look at If you can't get excited about Jesus, I don't think you're saved. I don't think you're saved, honestly. If you can't fall in love with Jesus, if you can't weep at the majesty of Christ and understand who he is, if you can't be awestruck by the wonder and majesty of Christ and his death on the cross, I really have to ask, are you saved? And I'm doing that for your benefit. We must see the glory of Christ. By looking at that glory, we will be changed from glory to glory. You always have to come back to Christ for another level of glory and another level of glory. There's nothing else but Him. It's all about Him. Let's bow our heads.